With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network. My name is Mark Seaman. His is Matt Kleinschmidt. Tis. We are the laughbutton.com. Make we are. sure you attend thelaughbutton.com and get all the latest news, interviews, reviews, and stories that have to do with the world of comedy. And maybe some leftover cake, Mark. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday to you, Mark. Thank you very much. I will say you've eaten, as we've been prepping to record this portion of the podcast, you've eaten four pieces of cake? 627 pieces of cake, Mark. There weren't even that many available. Oh. You ordered another cake. <laughs> I did. It was identical to that cake. And then you ate the same amount that was taken from the previous cake, mm-hmm. so it looked like it was a, the same cake. That sounds about correct. That is out of control. <laughs> then we forgot the windscreens for yes. the microphones here before we started taping. And in the 30 seconds <laughs> I went to go get them, you ate yet another piece of cake. Another 17 pieces of cake. Yes, uh, well, the cake was left over from your birthday. Yes. We threw a party for you as part of uh, our, our, our monthly fun club. And what happened to me? I got immortalized on a poster you for did. forever and ever. Dude, I met you palooza you on a poster. You did. You blew me up. It was great. Great photo. You yes. chose one from South by Southwest, which yes. I was pleased with. Um, what ones were even considered? Oh, that was it. That was the one in my oh, head. Oh, that I'm was like, already... That's the one. Okay. I was like, that's the one. So you knew I, what you wanted and it was so done. I, so yeah, so I met you palooza you. I found the nice gradient background that you see in most 70s poster tour snipes. All right. And then, I, uh, and then we, we, we gave the event a name. The inaugural 2015 Mark Says Hi to Summer Bacchanalia and BBQ Brodown Bash Bonanza. I'm not going to say it again. Yeah, I was going to ask you, can you say that with your <laughs> eyes some closed? some burgers and some hot dogs. Yeah, with your grill. You brought with, your own personal grill in. Which I was... trekked my grill all the way up here from uh, where I live to cook you burgers, which well, you still stole off the grill. Well, thank you very You're much. You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. Look, it, it, it they felt like they tasted better because I stole one? I don't know. I, I, there's something about like, thieving food that uh, makes it more delicious. It's like it's like free pizza. Pretty much. Yeah, it always Which I saw better. some pizza in the kitchen today here at uh, Laugh Button headquarters. I, I like to call them the TLB Towers. <laughs> I don't know what door you're using to get to work, but it, I'm using a different door then. We got an Eye of Sauron up on the roof somewhere. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, what can I say? Yeah, you're building an orc army. Yeah, it, it was into. I am building an orc army. Um, yeah, we had intern orientation today, so they got some pizzas in the office. Oh, cool. Some pizzas and some, some obviously not enough cake because, you know, there's still plenty of left. Nobody, uh, nobody wanted to finish it off. No. You don't want to be that guy. I told them all to wait for me. Well, somebody ate me because I was on that cake, at least a stick well, figure version. I'm not that good with icing, so I only drew you as a stick figure on the cake, Mark. It was it was good. It, it made me it made me seem a lot skinnier, which uh, which is always nice. Stick figure versions of yourself yeah. often do that. Yes, 
uh, depending on what Sharpie you're using or yes. whatever icing you're using. It was some sort of Betty Crocker. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, th- yeah, we're all, we're yeah. Way, yeah. Thank we're. you, and thank you to everybody else, uh, you know, at the Laugh Button and uh, the Syndicate, our parent company, uh, for everything they did for for the party, man. It was really cool. It yeah. was a nice, it was a good feeling, because, you know, I'm only six months into this thing, and uh, to get some love and praise like that felt pretty good. So. Yeah, we had to immortalize you somehow. Well, I'm immortalized, and uh, my work is immortalized, as is yours, every day on thelaughbutton.com, mm-hmm. and we've got lots of news to talk about. Some big things happened uh, this past week, and there's also big things happening right now as we're recording this, and there are even bigger things happening uh, in the upcoming weeks. we got some uh, Dude, big announcements. We made one of the biggest announcements ever in the history of the Laugh Button today. That's true. That happened. Uh, we finally were able to announce that we are the official sponsors for the first ever... First ever. First ever Warped Comedy Tent. Yes, on the Warped Tour. On the Vans Warped Tour. The so, Vans Warped Tour, And yes. uh, we're not just, you know, putting our toe in. Eh, we'll do two, three, no, five no, shows. No. We're doing 41 dates. All 41 dates. You will find the Laugh Button Warped Comedy Tent. Hashtag Warped Tent on the, uh, on the entire tour. Couldn't be more excited about it. It's awesome. I mean, Kevin Lyman, the guy that founded the Warped Tour and his crew over at Forfini, uh, they like taking risks and doing different things. And this year, one of the things they thought was kind of a cool idea was comedy. And this whole idea presented itself. And we basically were like, we can't not do this. Yeah, we kind of have to. <laughs> we kind of have. We it's, we have an obligation to. We the have an obligation universe. to the next generation of comedy fans to take the go on to Warp Tour and spend hours out in the hot sun. All in the name of exposing them to new comedy. Yes, and that's something I talked to Kevin uh, Lyman about. Yes, I was uh, able to interview him leading up to our announcement, and you can check out both the announcement story as well as my interview with Kevin Lyman on thelaughbutton.com. Kevin is a cool dude, man. Way cool dude. And we found out we had some mutual friends, which made <laughs> yeah. it even better. Yeah. And he used to drive Sam Kinison around back in the day, too. So that was that was what pretty the much the coolest thing about <laughs> what we talked about. He, And by the way, that happened at the end of the interview. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, thanks for chucking that in last second. I was like, you're not going anywhere. We're talking about this. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, pretty neat thing. When he got exposed to comedy, he said he was getting really, really ingrained in comedy when he was in college. Yeah. Uh, him and his buddies who since have gone on to, I don't know, invent Coachella. Yeah. Start uh, record labels. Start record labels. <laughs> invent the the Vans Warped Tour. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's It's been a pretty good run for him and his friends. And, yeah. and this is something that he's been wanting to do for a long time. In fact... He told me a story about how he did actually try to yeah. do this. He tested Ha-ha this. Ha Ha Rock or something like that? Ha Ha Rocks. Ha Ha Rocks. And it was going to be a comedy tour with Steel Panther, who yeah. went by a different uh, They went by metal school at the time. Metal school and uh, and some, some rock-oriented comics, let's call them. And he said some of the shows went well, some of them went bad. <laughs> and it just, he got busy doing other things. But it's yeah. it's... It's now time. It's time to do yeah. this, he said. And he teamed up with his buddy Joe Sib over at Side One Dummy. Big Records. fan of Joe Sib. He's a friend of the Laugh Button. We've we put on storyteller shows with him on the East Coast. Which is a really cool show, by the way. Yeah. Which Kevin Lyman has done. He tells this great story about Fletcher from Pennywise while on the road at Warp Tour. Nice. So if you haven't watched it, look look on uh, Side One Dummy's YouTube page, it's there. But Kevin Lyman tells this great story about Fletcher from Pennywise, who is a notorious prankster. Mm-hmm. And he tells this great story, so Lyman's got some stand-up skills in him on that. I watched it. He, like, he's he's got some public speaking abilities. I don't think you can do what he does without. No, it, right. No, you no. got to have that skill, and he has 
that. So yeah. check out the interview on the laughbutton.com. And again, check out our announcement. We're super stoked for this. We're going to be out on a couple dates. We're going to be taking some podcasts with some bands, some comedians on the Warp Tour. Grant Cotter, who's on the Warp Tour, is going to be a correspondent for us. We're really excited about it. It all kicks off in a couple weeks. 41 dates, man. 41 dates. 41 dates. That's a lot of dates. That's a lot of dates. And yes, we're going to have a, a dedicated uh, spot for the, the van. Yeah, you'll get tour. all, you'll follow the laugh button, follow this podcast. You'll get all the updates from the road. You'll get some reports from us on the on the site. You'll get some reports from us from correspondence. It'll be a good summer. Good good summertime hang at the Warp Tour. Hashtag kind of like Warped that Blink comedy two song. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag Warp Comedy. Hashtag Warp Comedy. Comedy. All right. So uh, moving on from that big announcement, how do how do you move on from that big announcement? How do how do we move on? Well, uh, look, you can't, <laughs> but we're gonna have to. Okay, okay. We're gonna have all to. All right, all right. Um, Oh, I just want to, I, I failed to mention that, that our special guest today joining us on this oh, yeah. of the podcast is uh, the very lovely Jen Kirkman. Jen's awesome. Who just released a, a special. On called, the Netflix. Yes, on the old Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. Yeah, it's kind of like it's the end of the world and I feel fine. And she mentions that. Yeah, of course. In our upcoming interview. Yes, and, uh, she pulls a little REM in there. She does. And she's a big music fan, yeah. always has been. Uh, but she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jen's been great. I remember the first time I put together, in fact, she might have been one of the comics that were on the first ever alt comp show I broadcasted live on the radio. Yeah. Uh, from her old album. From, God, that must be 2006 called Self Help. I don't know how far <laughs> you go back with the Jen Kirkman thing, but another interesting thing we talk about is now that she has a Netflix special, all these new people that are discovering her didn't know she ever did comedy yeah. and she's got 18 plus years in the books yeah yeah she's so totally yeah she's t turned a new leaf so we're excited to have her we have a great uh, review of our new app our new special on the on the site too one of our writers jeremy climber good submitted dude. it good dude he's uh he covered gilda he gilda's did. laugh fest for us he did cover last fest for us and uh now we have him on uh we have him on review duty thank you jeremy <laughs> Reduty, we call it Reduty. Reduty, that's what we're calling it. I just it? made All right, it up. Cool. That was there terrible. You there you go. All right, some other announcements. Uh, JFL, uh, another huge festival, happens in Montreal. Just announced their homegrown lineup for 2015. Yeah. And the reason I want to talk about this, Matt, is it's one of my favorite things of any festival. Like the we, new guys, the, the new guys, because locals. Yeah, because we know who the heavy hitters are. We know Bill Burr. We know Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And yes, we're going to see those of type course. of people. We want to because they're the reason we love comedy so much. But. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I have this ingrained in my blood, this scout, you know, the, the try to find new talent bug. I have that. Just I go like back that. back to your days when you wanted to play professional baseball? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Can that guy hit a curve? I just... Look at I, me with the sports analogies. That's the only one you got. <laughs> so know. where are you going from the there? The only one I got today. <laughs> so I, I enjoy discovering new talent and seeing um, the new seeds being planted. And, and especially with comics of maybe... They, they might not have found their voice yet. Yeah. You could be seeing these things develop right in front of your eyes. So I'm uh, very pumped for, for this, uh, this announcement, the homegrown town up at 20, uh, up at Montreal in 2015 for the festival. Um, it's going to be hosted by Sean Majumder, who's a really cool comic. Uh, not a lot of people in the U S they, they might not be familiar with him. Seek him out. He's hysterical. He's an actor comic up there and a very big one at that. And, uh, the other nice thing too, about homegrown comedy is, if you don't know a lot about what's going on in Canada, at least here in the United States, this is going to be your entry point. This is how you're going to familiarize yourself with the amazing talent that's always coming from Canada down yes. to the United States. I mean, 
Saturday Night Live. Do you just want to start there? Canada, <laughs> right? Yeah, Martin pretty, Short, Canada. I mean, yeah, I mean, Lorne okay. Michaels is Canadian. Yeah, he's so. Canadian. He is Jim all Carrey. The you know he was the biggest thing in movies throughout the night. Canada. Ackroyd, Rick Moranis, sure. all the SCTV crew. All Canada, and uh, very and, much so. And that never stops. You know where you I want to go though? Where I want to go across the river to Long Island City. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> I used to live there. Can we take this trek? Let's do it. Huge news. For uh, our friends in Legion of Skanks, Luis J. Gomez, Jay Okerson, and Dave Smith. Yes, they Huge are, news. They are going to be a part of Anthony Cumia's Yeah, another good friend network. of ours. Anthony Cumia, formerly of uh, the Opie and Anthony show, Sirius XM. By now, everyone listening, I'm sure, knows why uh, why he's no longer there. Sure. I guess is the best way to put it. But uh, Anthony, you know, started up and spun up his own thing. And within a year, he started to expand into a network. It's no longer just going to be the Anthony Cumia show. It's going to be the Anthony Cumia Network and the flag. Well, the first show he's ever pulling, uh, he's putting on as part of the network, Legion of Skanks. Legion of Skanks. And why the connection is to Long Island City is Legion of Skanks is part of Cave Comedy Radio. Our friend Rebecca Trent and all that crew that work over there, they tape a live podcast every Tuesday night with in front of a small studio audience. Hilarious show. They often call it as the most offensive podcast ever, uh, and it often lives up to the name of that. But. They're all. They're going to continue to tape out of the the Creek in the Cave Cave Comedy Radio Studios for the for actually two nights a week now. They're doing Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights now too, starting in June. Uh, it does what I believe mean that the Skanks will be behind a paywall, but it's a good thing because it means that people are being able to monetize comedy uh, podcasts more and more often. So, right, which is a good thing for everyone. And you're you're putting the money. Users. Yeah, you're putting the money directly into these people's hands. Yeah. that are going to deliver you their specific, unique. Yeah. Comedy, their and specific unique. One hundred percent, and uh, you know Jay, we had on the podcast last week. Love mm-hmm. that guy. Got great history with that guy. So wishing the best of luck and Lewis, Lewis and Dave. We should get on too. Dave, Dave's an interesting guy, man. I don't know if you listen to his podcast. Part of the problem, but he talks a lot about politics. He's a very much of a libertarian. Rand Paul cut from that kind of cloth, but he's a smart, well informed dude. So he's a, a interesting. And Lewis is just, you know, Lewis. Well, he's Gomez. a firecracker. I mean, he's, he's Lewis J. Yeah. Gomez. Damn it. Thought I wasn't going to do it. I can't say his name without doing like, you know, some impression of him, which I think is actually, if you were to do the math, I think, what did Jay say? 75% the reason Legion of Skanks exists is so the other two guys could just make fun of Lewis in the Lewis voice. So congrats to those. Yeah, that's huge for them. It's huge for Anthony Cumia. It's huge for everyone involved. So it's a great news. Story. Yeah. Well, this is a big week uh, coming up here as far as comedy specials on oh. television. Matt Kleinschmidt. Killer, uh, Killer Mark Seaman. Wh- where do you want to begin? Do you want to begin with? Let's start with the first one. So let's start with Thursday nights. Okay. Louis C.K. live at the Comedy Store. Bam! All right. So Louis C.K. live at the Comedy Store is, uh, this, this is interesting to me. And I want to talk about this honestly. So this thing was available for purchase yes. off his website, right? Correct. And he's obviously buddies with everybody over at FX. Yes. You know, where Louis lives and, and breathes. And, and thrives. And this guy <laughs> wins, you know, awards for anything he puts on television. And being that this thing is already out there in the uh, atmospheres, he's basically just like putting it on TV once 
and he's going to win an award for it. That's exactly that's exactly what you described. That's exactly what the reason. Do you think? Do you honestly think that's why? No, he's it, it doing is. it, or or it is because this isn't the first time he's done this for. He won the Emmy for the Live at the Beacon Theater, if I'm not mistaken, which was the first one he made available for sale on his website. Right. That was that, the initial five dollars. I'm $5 doing it my way. Yeah. Exactly. It aired one time on FX. I want to say at like midnight on a Friday night because to be considered for Emmy nomination, mm-hmm. you need to air on television at least once. And since he's bros with the head of FX, uh, what's the guy's name? Damian Landgraf is that his name? I, something like that. Uh, I'm probably I might be wrong on that name. Anyway, um, he basically said, "Yeah, I'll air it. I'll air it for an hour." So it's officially on a television channel network somewhere, and that's how Louis won the Emmy. And they're basically doing the same thing this time around. Um, so, yeah, the, so your whatever, your, your, in, your you know, in, intuition is exactly correct. It, it's just a string. I mean, we all want to win awards, I guess. Right, but how many more awards does Louis need? Do you I, look? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate here. It's, I, w- I want. By the way, it's John Landgraf from Netflix, okay. not Damien. Look, I want Louis to put his special on TV yes. because there are people out there, including myself. I don't download everybody's special that makes it available for purchase on their website. Mm-hmm. I just can't. But um, you know, this is going to help people like like my dad who loves comedy, and he's going to watch it on FX. And this is going to be great for him. You know, he's excited for this special. So, um, so I, I get that, you know, but at the same time, if it's just going to air once, I mean, it's pretty clear what the motivation is there. I it think. is, but at the same time, you know, some, uh, some specials air on Comedy Central once, you know, like, or it takes a couple weeks before it reruns eventually. Some, you know, some HBO specials, they only air once too, like a boxing special or a variety right. show. A lot of those variety shows get nominated for Emmys, like an Oscar Awards or Tony's. That's only one time. Yeah, but, but you're not doing the Oscar Awards like uh, on but, a Friday at two a.m. just to get the play. Every Emmys, though, but because they, it's a major, it's a major <laughs> yearly event that the yeah. entire world watches, and and th- that very well may be the case with Louis, you know. But but I just think, you know, I don't know. It's just it's a little weird. It's like it's like you want to run independent, and you want to say, hey, let me just do everything by myself, and he has the cred to do that. But if I need to get that Emmy, I gotta just chuck it up there. Well, I mean, it's it's true though, but I think, but is that an indignation of Louis, or is that an, uh, in, indignation? Is that is that the right word? I don't even know. Is that, but is that a shot at Louis? Or is that a shot at the at the awards not having a digital space yeah. award yet? You know, maybe he's just ahead of the curve. Right. Maybe in five years he won't have anything. Then again, that's what the Peabodys are for. They're for excellence in digital broadcasting sure. or some sort like that. So. so I'm not, so just to let you know and clarify too, because I'm yeah. not taking a shot at Louis. I'm just, yeah. I'm thinking like down, is he, is down the road. the system? Is this what's going to start happening all the time? Well, content's, you know, for as cliche as it sounds, content's king these days. Because he is the he is the leader on this. And whoever stuff, has man. the content, you know, is winning. But okay. that's another thing too. Is like he's the leader on the self the on the self released comedy. But I wouldn't say that it's a trend that kind of took off. A couple other guys tried it, and uh, you don't really hear Aziz, much about Gaffigan. it. Aziz Gaffigan. Aziz tried it. Gaffigan I know Titus tried did. it. Yep. Titus did. I mean, like I feel like Brian Regan's been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Brian Regan's been doing it longer than Louis has, I think. Um, but like, it didn't like take off. This wasn't this huge. Like, oh my god, everyone's going to do this thing. I mean, Todd Barry did it, but he did it through Louis. Um, and uh, what's her name? Tig Notaro. She did it, but she did it through Louis as well. And then she followed up with a CD release. Gaffigan has put out. He self-released one special. The next special came out on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. So I think to say everyone had success doing it, I never saw numbers from those Gaffigan specials, but you know, maybe he, the fact that he went back to a label is a sign. 
Um, I never saw numbers from the Aziz special, but you know he went to Netflix afterwards. So it's, I think it's I gotta commend these guys because they're trying different shit and they're trying what works for them, and they're going to Netflix and they have these new opportunities in these different places too. So. Uh, I don't think it was like the the changing of the landscape of comedy like people thought it was going to be. I think it was one of more of those like, hey, it was a fad. It worked for certain people. It's not going to work for everyone. It's kind of like MySpace. You know, it worked for Dan Cook, and then it, yeah, but it didn't I, work for other people. Uh, <laughs> you know, Louis C.K. does this. He gets dibs on this style of doing things, and yeah. that's just who it works for. But you can draw parallels into the music space, too. Like, there's some there's some musicians who are like, oh, I'm going to do it independently and completely free now. Like, you know, your Trent Reznor's of the world. That's sure. great, but Trent Reznor had 20 years of a major label funding him to build that fan base. And, and a that's not going to work for money, I would That's not going to work for new band X or new com- yeah. new comedian Y. That's the reality of that situation. All right, well, let's move uh, yeah. our concentration back onto the specials that will be airing. So we oh, mentioned yeah, we Louis C.K. We got to bring up Jim Brewer, right? Fucking A, dude. Jim Brewer, Saturday night. It's pretty sweet. I yeah. love Jim. Jim, to me, out of any comic, has the most infectious laugh. Oh, completely. Like when he just does his... <laughs> or whatever he does, it's it makes me so happy <laughs> automatically because you just... You hear a guy... Who is just living it, man? Like he's just. If you want a good example, good vibes. Like you know, this guy's just like I'm not gonna waste my time with anything other than what's awesome. You know, and if you, you want to re- live in his head for a little bit. <laughs> if you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if you want a really great example of that laugh, we shot a video behind the scenes with Jim Brewer at South by Southwest 2014 last year. And it's just like a day in the life. And it's just, you know, we took Jim to a bunch of interviews with like, you know, Yahoo and this publication. I think Rolling Stone interviewed him. Today's Comedy interviewed him. All these people interviewed him. And it's just like, it's almost like a super cut of three and a half, four minutes of Jim's laugh. Oh, it's so It great. was great. Like, it was so a great, great. Jim was the nicest guy at South By. Like, I'm super psyched for his new special coming out on Epics. In addition to that, he's got a new album he just recently announced that it's all heavy metal. Yeah, it's, which, it's a buzz right now, man. Yeah, I mean, it's got Brian like the, Johnson Brian from Johnson's ACDC. On it. He actually, when he, he told us about this last year when we were first talking to him that he was planning on doing this, he wanted to do a tour where like moms and dads can go with their kids and rock out and stuff. And so he's friends with a lot of other heavy hitters in the, in the metal and rock community. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw people from Metallica show up. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw people from a lot of these other I can bands. Almost, I, I feel like I can, I can almost get Guarantee Lars Ulrich has drummed on this record. You know, I, he just hasn't confirmed it yet. Yeah. I can almost guarantee it's happened. That's the big announcement. Like, this right. guy has had, like, holiday dinners with Metallica. So, like, I'm, I'm assuming that's coming. That's pretty sweet. It's fucking sweet as shit. All right, what else is coming is uh, Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Actually, wait, we left off one special, right? There's one other we Oh, one mention. more. Yep. Nick Swarson, baby. Yep. Good old... Saturday night. Taste it. Taste it. I'm psyched for Nick. Dude, God, it's been another guy who just automatically makes me years? laugh. Like his vibe, man. It's been five years, I think, since Nick since Nick's put out a special. Seriously, who farted? That was like 2009, 2010. So God. I love the face. I love the album artwork on that one. Dude, and anything Nick does is great. You've seen him live? I have. It's, I have. He's it's so entertaining, man. He's, I, a, he's a fucking blast. It's he's the epitome of just like a personality. That's unique doing his own thing, just existing. You know what I mean? He doesn't. Even, he could just get up on stage and tell stories, but uh, you know, obviously, he tells a lot of jokes all as well. Man, comedians are man. It's they good just stuff. Tell great stories. All right, comedians in cars getting coffee. It's coming season back. Six, dude. It's been six seasons. Already? Six seasons in like I feel like two years, three years. It's nuts. I mean, they're abbreviated seasons and they're very they're very quick. But this one this one's got a baller stellar lineup of people: Steve Harvey, Julie Louis Dreyfus, Bill Maher. 
Trevor Noah from The Daily Show. Uh, well, the future da- host of The Daily Show, uh, I should I should add. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he pulled out the heavy hitters for this one. The heavy hitters. Stephen Colbert with the cold beard. <laughs> uh, spe- Watch it just for the cold beard majesty of it because uh, when, you know, when it's he, just when, too good. When he hits late night in September, you know, he's not going to have that beard anymore. Yeah, it's going to be Enjoy it while you can, folks. Kind of like he joined the Yankees and he had to, sh- you know, yeah. he's got to shave it. He's yeah. got to shave it. Um. Yeah, it's Seinfeld, and and by the way, for all the people that didn't catch it last week, but you know Seinfeld, all the all the episodes are now available on Hulu. Yes. So if you want to watch that from top to bottom, uh, you can do that now on Hulu. And speaking of of Seinfeld, and one of the legendary writers from Seinfeld, because we didn't really get a chance to talk no, about this. No, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, Peter Melman. Um, this guy, you might not recognize his name. And if you, you know don't, his work, though. You definitely know his work, and it's a shame that you don't know his name, and it's a shame more people don't know his name because this guy's hilarious. I, He's one of those people, uh, to me, that's just so weirdly unique and different, and I don't know what, what his ceiling is. He's, he's <laughs> kind of like, you, you don't know what he's going to do with the comedy when he's got it. Like okay. You're almost like worried about what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's How's he, he going to do with what's it? What's he going to do with it? What's he going to do with it? But anyway, he's uh, one of the, if not the most legendary writer on Seinfeld. Uh, yada, yada. You know, yes. Yeah. That's literally shrinkage. Have you ever said double dip in your in your? You double dip the chip. Yeah, that that. Who doesn't use that yeah, phrase? Of course. You can think Wasn't this used guy. Yada yada yada. Right. I mean, yeah. Of course. So it's all Peter Melman, all and Peter. this guy has a great book that's out as well. And you can check out my interview with him on the laughbutton.com. Make sure you do that along with the Kevin Lyman interview. Uh, anyway, Peter, huge shout out to that guy, and he's working on a new novel now, and uh, I can't wait to read it. And he used to do wacky interviews with the big sports. Sports uh, legends like Kobe Bryant and and Tiger Woods, and he just makes them feel so uncomfortable. And it's it's one of those things where you're like, once the interview starts, no one can step in to make it stop. You just have to wait until it ends. <laughs> it's it's a real treat, man. It's very good stuff. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, other stuff we need to talk to or talk about before we get to Jen Kirkman. Um, shows renewed, already renewed. Grace and Frankie. If you've been watching it on Netflix, renewed for a second season. Um, I feel like anything on Netflix right now is just untouchable. If you're on Netflix, you're 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 good to go. As long as you appeal to the core of Netflix, you are good to go on Netflix. Yes, Dave Hill's debut comedy album's coming out. Let me turn you on. I don't know about you, Matt. I've been waiting for this forever. Dave Hill is a very unique voice in the world of comedy and music. Yes, he he ties those two worlds together so beautifully. Um, not to be confused with the Weird Owls and the people that play musical comedy no. like Stephen Lynch. This guy is an amazing guitar player, and he happens to be fucking hilarious. Yes. And he, he just, he is both those worlds. He really is. And Dave Hill has a very long and sordid history. Um, you know, he used to be in a band called Uptown Sinclair, mm-hmm. which, uh, fun fact for you, I promoted when I did my radio promo what? days. I promoted what? Uptown Sinclair. We're going back a long time. Uh, but then he also, you know, he moved over to FMU, and he. What, and he, what was his other band? Elvis something? Elvis. Oh my God! Why am I blanking on it right now? I'm blanking on it too. But I was subscribed to Dave Hill's newsletter for uh-huh. many, many years. Consistently, the only newsletter that would make me laugh out loud when I read it. His tweets are hysterical. His tweets too, are hysterical. Man. His writing's great. Um, you know, his book "Tasteful Nudes" was was great. Uh-huh. He did a musical song video for "Tasteful Nudes" that's floating around on the internet. Like, he did some really great stuff. And you know, he has the distinction of being the replacement jock for. 
uh, the best show when that went off the air originally on WFMU. So mm-hmm. Dave Hill is one of those guys where he's just kind of everywhere. He does everything, and he's great at a lot. And he's really good at all of it. That's yeah. the thing. You're like, oh, my God, how is this guy so good at everything? It's like, fuck and, you, Dave uh, Hill. Fuck you, Dave Hill, <laughs> for being so good. Uh, he's awesome, man. Yeah. He, he's a good dude. And, uh, and of course, Valley Lodge, his, his band, Valley is responsible Lodge, yes. for um, Last Week Tonight. Mm-hmm. You know who hosts it, right? Are you just looking at me with blank stares? Last week like, tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're just looking at me like, is that even the name? No, of the but show? The, no, no, no. You I'm said last sure. week tonight, but then you abruptly stopped, like you were like waiting for an answer. I was for me. hoping like, for my side guy to chime in with the listen, tech, man. Listen, you got to give me some sort of verbal cue. You're just like last week tonight. It's supposed and to like be almost organic. like you wanted shit, man. I can anyway. read you like a picture book. Where are you at, dude? Because I'm sitting here on a table with my feet up, <laughs> like stuffed from a piece of Mark says hi birthday cake that's less than like wait, wait. week old. Mark says hi birthday. Re- rephrase cake. that. First of all, it's a week old. So why are you eating it? Second of all, it's well for we rephrase, pure sugar. Sugar we, lasts forever, Mark. Can we rephrase a piece? <laughs> it was just a piece. Stuff spread lies. All right, all right, all right. Also, shout out to Mike Kaplan, who's going. He's going on a national tour. Yes, Mike uh, shot me over his his sweet uh, uh, poster artwork, and he's here's the deal with with Kaplan. I uh, I was on his podcast. Yes, he was on our podcast, and he was on our podcast. And he told me he's doing this tour that's sort of built into moving his girlfriend across the country, <laughs> which I was like, two birds, man. Yeah, totally. Just do it. Knock it out. And so he is. So he's actually going to be dropping us like uh, some diary entries. Good. Like uh, on the road. Mike, Super. please use words we can all decipher and understand. I know. I'm almost happy he's going to be doing the writing <laughs> because, I, I mean, it's going to look like hieroglyphics for most people. <laughs> so I think maybe what we could do for fun is do two versions <laughs> of the article The like Mike Kaplan version And the layman's The, the <laughs> dumb Matt Kleinschmidt version I'm in buddy <laughs> Yeah maybe, maybe that's What we'll do I don't know But that's gonna be Coming your way here In June Which we're very excited for Alright TheLaughButton.com Get all your latest news Information Interviews Everything with Anything that's happening In the world of comedy uh, Oh by the way We haven't even mentioned BookCon This weekend Oh my god We haven't mentioned BookCon BookCon At the Javits Center If you're in New York City Get yourself a badge Look if, if you hear BookCon, you're like, BookCon, I don't read books. Everybody's there. They just announced it's, like yeah. Paul Rudd's going to be there. Well, they might as well Nina call Dunham's it there. I mean, every- Comic-Con May. That's what they <laughs> might as well call it. Exactly. So uh, the cool thing about it, though, is books will be heavily involved with this. Of course. And uh, we just happen to be putting on a pretty killer uh, The Laugh Button Live one comedy the, show. I would, well, I would say one of the best shows we've ever done. All right. John Leguizamo yes. is on this. Check. Right? Uh, Robert Kelly's on Check. Us. Bobby. Yes. Judah Friedlander. Check. Liz Winstead. Check. Co-creator of The Daily Show, Co-creator Liz Winstead. And uh, hosting this beast is going to be Sarah Benincasa. I love Sarah. Love Sarah, too. She uh, she used to play in my old playground as well over at Sirius XM, and she was a host there for, for, for a bit. And, she now uh, does a great podcast. And she does. Something about humans having human stories. I'm fucking terrible. It's okay, man. She'll <laughs> explain it to you. <laughs> At the Laugh Button I'm Live sure show she will Sarah come explain it to me Because I'm terrible So go to the laughbutton.com To get more information And get yourself a badge To the book con Because the badge Gets you into our Comedy event And the con Free Every And the con you want to go to It's all included man all Just get stuff. yourself a badge Do it And uh, yeah it is pretty much Comic Con at this point Yeah Comic Con right. May That's what I'm calling it I think it's time for some Jen Kirkman Let's In celebration uh, Of her just existence I got You know what I'm going to start a jar 
And every time I say in celebration, of, yeah. we're putting money in that. You bad should, boy. dude. That's I'll, like my tick. I'll, I will be on a vacation with that money come August <laughs> if we do that. Hey, everyone's got their thing, man. No. Hashtag in celebration, all right? Hashtag in celebration. All right, without further ado, the very lovely Jen Kirkman. Hey, everyone, I'm going to welcome my next guest here, Jen Kirkman, to the program, if you will. It's the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Ridecast Network. Jen Kirkman, good to see you again. Thank you for having me. We're at a restaurant. People can hear the ambiance. Glasses clinking. That's classic, like old school comedy club stuff, right? Yeah. Like you, you go to tape your material in the early days and everything's just clicking and clanking I around, love right? I those sounds. I really do love those sounds. I think it's cool. Do you think comedians add in now to be like vintagey? You know, like, oh, I want to I wanna make it sound like I recorded in an 80s comedy no, club. I don't think I know many that want to do that. The only thing that comes to mind is Greg Proop's special that he filmed at this really famous restaurant, Musso and Frank's in Hollywood. But I don't think he was doing it to be retro. I think he is that guy who's into that. So I thought that was really cool. He's totally that guy. Yeah. And he has uh, one of the most famous diastemas in the business. I don't know what a diastema is. The... Oh, is it a, a space between the teeth? Yeah. He oh, hates I when I bring that. it up, but... I used to have one. I got it fixed when I was little. I wish I still had it. How do you fix that? That's just, just braces and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Did you did you have to go through a lot as a kid when it came to that? Like I had, oh yeah, I had the braces and some weird key thing that had to like stretch my jaw out and oh like all kind of glasses, the whole nine. Did you? Were, was it glasses. pretty brutal for you? It wasn't brutal. I had glasses, but I had braces on my top teeth in sixth grade, and I had to wear mouth gear at night. Nothing on the bottom. Sure. And then as an adult, my teeth moved again, and I had to get Invisalign because they started shifting. And then the dentist I had at the time was like, oh yeah, as you hit your 30s, your teeth move again. I'm like, oh, that's great information to have. So I've been wearing Invisalign for four years to straighten them out, and then I got like some fake teeth in. So it's never ending. Teeth has always been a big pain in my fucking ass. And then when I was, oh, I can swear, yeah. When I was little, I fell on my face after my baby teeth came out and my adult teeth came in. I fell on my face on a bike, and one of my tooth teeth died one of my tooths, and it was black, and so we got it like bonded, but it was like 1980s bad bonding. And so then as an adult, when I went to get my teeth whitened, it didn't whiten, and so I had this yellow tooth in the front. And I was like, this is awful. And I didn't have the money to fix it for so long. So it's only been the past two years that I have nice teeth now. You're feeling good about yeah, it now. Yeah, I feel good. I can actually smile in photos and stuff. It's such a difference when you feel like you can smile in the sunlight. That's a big one. And then I, um, I still sleep with my Invisalign at night. Just in case those suckers move again. Do you, you bust out the uh, headgear for old times' sake, just to just to feel comfortable? You know. I don't think it would fit on my head. I've lost it since. I mean, I can't keep something I've had since I was 12. I've lost my Invisalign twice. And my orthodontist thinks I'm an idiot. So. Yeah, but you're on the road all the time. He's got to understand. You know, it's like they give you that stupid red case for it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand my life. He's like, when is this going to end? I'm like, I don't think ever. I think accidentally uh, I'm doing this for a living. Not accidentally, but I think I. Uh, I don't think it's ending. Well, most people say you can tell how old a tree is by the rings. I, I, I say you can tell how old a person is by opening their mouth and seeing what color the fillings are ah, in their teeth, right? I had to, I got all mine replaced with ah. white. It was a big, I was under construction for like the last three years. I replaced all the fillings, I got veneers. I, I probably could own property by now, but I put it all into my mouth instead. 
it's a good investment. Yeah. You look fantastic. Oh, well, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I just keep the Invisalign on every night, and we'll see what happens. So with your latest special here that's now available on Netflix, congrats, by the way. Thank you very much. And uh, the title is very... I, I got to I gotta ask you this, because the, the titles for everything that you do, whether it be a book or your special, you have, they, they feel like some sort of statement of, not necessarily depression, but just, this is the deal. You know, yeah. this is the current state. This is the marker on the timeline. Do you, yeah. you feel like that's the case when you, because it's hard to name something, right? Hard to name something? Yeah, name something that you create. You got to yeah. call it something, right? Well, so. I thought it would be two things. I wanted to call my book, I'm going to die alone and I feel fine, years ago. So the book I wrote was about the weird things people say to me when I, when, when I say I don't want kids. And one of them was, but you could die alone, which I always thought was stupid because most old women I've known died alone. Their husbands die first and then their kids don't happen to be home and they drop dead. And so I just thought, well, you're not, I don't know many stories of the family was around them as they gathered and died. Some people get that outcome, some people don't. Or your kids could be awful and they hate you. You don't know what's going to happen. So to do something for that insurance seems silly. And also, it doesn't bother me because I don't want to die at all. So there's no good scenario. Right. And, um, and you just have to accept that whatever will happen will happen. And I was thinking, and it just came to me this week, that's kind of a Morrissey-esque thing to say like a lot of his songs talk about dying alone but he had such a sense of humor about it so I thought it would be funny and I can tell the difference between a dumbass and someone who gets a little dark humor when they're like that's sad isn't it is that sad and I'm like no I'm because people think it's about being single they're like you'll meet someone I'm like um I meet people all the time it's not it's not the issue yeah, it's the just it's just um it is nothing to do with that or it's not a lament it's that's why I put in I feel fine I was like, what can I say that's awful and then put a positive thing at the end? And it's a rip-off of R.E.M. I was, yeah. End of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. But um, I don't know, maybe Michael Stipe went through this and people were like, do you really think it's the end of the world? Are you okay? You know? But yeah, I just thought it would be a funny thing and like a good conversation starter. But what's funny is that the feedback I've been getting on Twitter from young women or people who like to stay home on a Friday night and instead of going on Tinder, they will hashtag, I'm going to die alone. They will say, I think it's like kind of an expression that everyone says. Right. So I've tapped into that a little bit, which is cool. Like, people say it as a joke amongst themselves all the time anyway. So I don't think it's that shocking, but there have been some people that have been very um, thinking that it's like, I need to be consoled about it. Is, is death the first thing you were ever scared of? Was that the first thing that ever got to you? Like when you realized, oh shit, that's a thing. Um, and I can't do anything about it. Or was there yeah. something else that kind of scared you before that? No, I think it probably was death. I think um, I hadn't known anyone who died until I was 12 and my grandfather died. But I started having anxiety attacks after that. There was something so shocking to me about, um, this is a sad story, but I remember when he was dying, my uncles all live a little closer to the hospital he was in. My, my family and I lived maybe an hour away. My dad rushed to be there for his dad's passing, but he didn't make it in time. And then he came home and he fell up the stairs crying and saying, my, my daddy's dead. So when you're 12 and you see your dad crying about his daddy, I, I think my world and fell apart. daddy. Yeah, like, my world fell apart. I was like, oh, no one's ever okay with this. Like, it's not the nice story of, grandpa's not here anymore, he's in heaven. I didn't experience that. And right. then I go to, and I was 12, so I probably should have been fine with it. It was my first death. And then I remember going to his funeral and accidentally seeing, I was trying not to look, and I saw him laying there. And, and he looked peaceful and asleep, but 
I didn't like that. And then we had to put a rose on his coffin and watch it get lowered into the ground. And that was just too much for me. I was like, oh, I feel trapped. I don't want to be stuck in the ground. So I started, like, my anxiety, I think, started then. Like, I knew conceptually about death because I went to church as a kid. But you think, well, the only person they're talking about that died is Jesus, but he didn't really, like all yeah. the story, you know, he was came he back. Is he real? Like, what's his deal? You know? yeah. yeah, like, first of all, is he even real was always a question. And then if, if all these stories are true, which I, obviously I, I personally do not believe they are, but that he came back to life and then he's not really even dead. There was always some weird, whatever question I had, my mom could soothe me with, oh, these are stories or, oh, he's fine. But when a real person died, no one could tell me it was fine. It was devastating. And so, yeah, I think death, I was so afraid of it. And I still am. It's terrifying to me. Certain kinds of deaths are terrifying to me. How long did it take for you to be able to joke about something like that? I've never made a joke about it. I just talk about it, like, for ser- for serious, not serious XM. For, yeah, but... <laughs> for real, yeah. For real. No, I have no jokes about it. Um, but I have jokes about death in my special, I guess. So it just made me over the last five years, because now it, it is, I'm at the point of acceptance that this is how it goes for all of us. And I'm not that afraid because I don't have any religious hangups or anything. So I'm not afraid of any afterlife situation. I just don't want to feel, I don't know what happens, but if you die and you're frozen in panic, if that, if somehow there's an energy that continues, that you just feel that way the rest of eternity, that would terrify me. If however you go out, that's how you feel somewhere in the cosmos. There's just your soul, feel, I, I doubt like stuck that. in that weird, uh, it's, it's an interesting thought. I never really thought of it that way. Um, I've got to say, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I was raised Catholic. I'm assuming you were, too. I did the yeah. whole church thing. And that pretty much means you're just not anymore, right? Like, if you're raised Catholic, I feel like most Catholics yeah. grow up, and they're like, yeah, that was whatever. You yeah. Know? That's just, not a thing. It didn't traumatize me. I got a lot out of the teachings of, again, whether he's real or not is not what I'm debating, but the teachings of Jesus. Someone wrote down something at some point, really hard stuff that's really good for your soul, like loving your enemy and right. helping the poor. So all that stuff is fantastic. And so in that sense that's been ingrained in me but um i'm not worried about heaven or hell i don't really believe in heaven or hell and uh, i'm okay with that in fact heaven terrifies me and my mom used to say when you die you go to heaven it goes on and on and on it never ends and i just thought that sounds awful that sounds really out of my control i'd rather it be like before birth where you just don't know what what's up you don't even know you're there and i truly believe that the white light everyone sees is your brain i think our bodies know how to take care of us i think your brain is shutting down, you see that light. I mean, it, yes, would it be lovely if it was heaven and someone said, come back, go, you know, go back, it's not your time? Sure. And I don't blame anyone that thinks that's happened to them. But I would prefer that that is not true. I would prefer that it's a chemical in your brain and then you just don't know what's happening. I, I'm hoping for a, a, like a fuzzy TV screen. You know, everyone oh, really? talks about the white light. I'm yeah. hoping it's just like, you know, like, yep, you lost cable. <laughs> See you and later. Then the, for the rest of your life, wherever you are, you're just hearing that static. Well, I hope that's not the case. Although, oh, okay. if I play enough drums, you know, between now and then, I'm not going to be able to You'll hear anything. You'll have tinnitus. Anything. Yeah. You'll go yeah. to the next life with tinnitus. Like, for some reason, you're the one person where going to the next life doesn't solve all of your earthly ailments. You know, right. that's like another Catholic theory that you go to the next world and you're suddenly young again and you're not in pain. You know, they're not suffering anymore. But for some reason, you have tinnitus in heaven. <laughs> that would be that'd be a super bummer. That'd be a super bummer for sure. Did uh, did Catholicism? I, I don't even want to talk about religion, but I, I'm curious because of 
of who you are as a person. Do you do you feel like religion ever stopped you from from doing anything? Like it worked so well that it was like, damn it, I guess I can't get that tattoo. No. Or did it or did it stop you from trying smoking the first time? No. Or like, okay. Religion never did anything bad to me. I'm really lucky. I just I because I really think my my parents just let me sit there and listen. They didn't. We didn't talk about it at home. We didn't pray at the table. We didn't read the Bible. So it was super passive. It was, it was passive, and I what I got out of it was, oh, this Jesus guy is really cool, and I likened him to Johnny Cash. Like he, he hangs out with prisoners. You know, it seemed like Jesus was Johnny Cash, and then Madonna came around and saved my life when I was eight. You know, she saved a lot of people. Yeah, lives. wearing the rosary beads, and I started to wear those yeah. to school. My mom was mad. You know, that's disrespectful and sure. and stuff like that. But it just. No, it never damaged me. And then I got to see that she could be a spiritual, religious person, and then it was fine. And you know, you don't have to be Catholic, Catholic, super Catholic. No, it just never effed me up. And then I started to become my own person. And it, as a teenager, we had this really old school priest come into our church, and he he gave a speech at our confirmation, which, if people don't know, is like almost like a bar mitzvah. It's your last rite of passage as a teenager. Like, now you're part of the church and you can decide if you go anymore. Yeah, Yeah, and he made the speech like, you kids are going to get out there in the world and you're going to see some things. You're going to see parades where gay people are dancing around and they are throwing out condoms. And I was like, oh, get a life, you old man. Like, it just seemed to me that the, the spirituality and the religion was nothing to do with these morons running it. And I, I just knew that always, and it never damaged me, and I never went through an angry atheist phase because of it. I never had to go to Catholic school, so maybe that's why. Yeah, okay. um, there was a mean nun at our, our church. He used to call me Kirkman. And I just thought, what an asshole. You're a nun. You're supposed to be really nice, you know? And so I just always knew. I don't know what it was, if it was my parents or... They had their little superstitions, like they thought maybe the world would end in the year 2000. There was definitely some, you know, I was really afraid to have proper sex as a teenager because I thought I would get pregnant and I, I was scared of getting an abortion. That was one thing that scared me. Okay. Um, so but that crept in. I was the everything but girl. Like, okay, we can do this and that, but we can't have sex. So that crept in there. And it went away like once I started having interludes with boys like it, it took me a couple years but I eventually was like oh it's fine and I never accidentally got pregnant thank god but um but yeah no there was never any guilt or anything like that and then now my parents of course they don't even go to church anymore we don't even go on Christmas sometimes I'll be like I want to go because I like the candlelight service and the Christmas carols or not you know Christmas carols but and my mom goes it's whatever's in your hat I'm like well that would have been helpful I didn't I would have had to go to church every Sunday. How did how did how did you lose the accent? Did you have it real bad? I did. I didn't used to think I did. First of all, I had a teacher in third grade who used to call me Jenny, and she'd say you talk so weird because I had two accents. I would say Bath for Bath, half. I'd say Hoff, but then I would be like, go over there. So I sounded sort of like South Boston and British. I was like. Um, I'll have some half and half in my bath today, but I'm gonna go over there to take it. You know, I was like, that's how I talked. I sounded so weird. And so my teacher would go, Jenny, you say your words wrong. And and she harped on me. And then I went to college, at Emerson College in Boston, and they had a class called Voice and Articulation, which is basically learn how to talk with a neutral accent and be a broadcaster. Right. And I think that's what did it, because I do remember having my accent even in school. I didn't know I did, but I found an old tape of me talking. Uh, the old tapes. Right? Did You're you gonna put to this? I have 
hours of footage of you know doing radio shows in college. And, oh, okay. And uh, even when I was a kid, I, my my friends and I we'd pretend to be broadcasters yeah. and like play-by-play -play announcers and like ride our bikes into a wall and the other person would describe it. You know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you got more creative with it. My friends and I would just hit a tape recorder and talk to each other and record it. It was like a podcast. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I, you are the. You're I'm the, the original. You're the original. You're the OG. But I don't remember, or sometimes instead of writing a letter um, to my friends in colleges that were far away, and you know, calling on the phone back then was expensive. It was like a dollar a minute, I feel like, to call a different state. So we would write letters and, or send cassette tapes to each other. Oh my God, that's so amazing. Yeah. That's gotta be a thing. Like, yeah. record half the conversation, send it, have them tag it, and then just go back and forth. And then forth. they go back, that's what we would do. What an amazing, like, isn't that cool? That's way cool. That's, yeah, that's really so we cool. did that instead of because there was no cell phones or anything or texting or emailing, anything. Email wasn't, yeah, kids. Kids. There I was mean, a time when communicating was by bird. <laughs> <laughs> and so I found one of those and I was talking. I had a really big, thick accent. But then after I took that class, now I've, I think I consciously think about it too. Well, you've cleaned it up. I mean, I. Yeah, I don't have one. Knowing where you're from, I know where you're from, mm -hmm. but I, if, if I had never met you, I would never guess. Where would you think I was from? Pe Paris, I, probably. <laughs> Paris, is that where you want me to think you'd be? Yeah, I mean, Paris. Paris, uh, Paris, Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, Paris, Florida. Or is there Paris, Texas? Probably. No, yeah, I, I do get conscious about it because I know I, I can slip into the accent when I talk fast or if I have a couple drinks or something like that. Sure. All right, to switch gears real quick, um, I want to, this will, this will be the deepest question I ask you because oh. I'm not a super Charlie Rose guy, but yeah. um, all the years you've been doing comedy, uh, what have what have you learned about yourself doing comedy all these oh. years? Because you're when you're on stage, as anybody who's ever tried comedy knows how hard it is, yeah. and how quickly you can be rejected, and how vulnerable it is. And you, I feel like you and your career have gotten to the point where you can talk comfortably about things that are a little more heavy hitting, as opposed to just making jokes or being silly. Or yeah. do you know what I mean? I, f I feel like you're at the point now where you can just walk on the stage and be like. I'm just going to talk about this because oh, this is how nice. I am. Yeah. But um, what, have, what have you learned about yourself along that journey? Um, I guess what I've learned about myself is I am pretty um, fearless, I think. And I think I'm pretty adventurous and, and, and um, let's say badass. But there's a lot of stuff about comedy. It has nothing to do with getting on stage. But traveling by yourself, going to a club for the first time, not knowing how you'll be treated by the staff or the manager there's really little scary things like that are people taking me seriously what's are the ticket sales bad you just have to walk through it so i feel like i learned that i can just really walk through anything and then i think i learned about myself that i d desperately need people to i desperately need to hear that other people feel how i feel and i know that other people feel that way too so i've gotten a, a lot of responses i get are oh my god thank you for talking about that i thought i was the only one i'm getting the same feeling from it. I'm going, I think I'm the only one. I'm going to say this on stage and see. That's a, a, whenever people ask me, like, how did you know you were funny? I, I don't really do this because I think I'm funny. I, I have I have an inkling that I say things in a way that are entertaining. But I'm really saying, do you guys have this? Because I just need to know. And I, I get the validation from the laughter, not as a human, or the validation that I'm funny. But a laugh means, yeah, I, I, that's what I think it means. Yeah, you're like not alone. Yeah, so that's what I've learned about myself is that I have a deep need for my experiences to be validated. And I think I've just learned that um, I am a, I think I'm a pretty positive person who's, I guess determined is the word and never gonna, I'm never going to stop. I don't really know what word 
what word that would be called. It's, uh, I mean, you're, you're driven, and this is what you driven, do, right? I guess, I guess yeah. I'm driven. I feel pretty lazy, but I guess I may... Uh, well, we're all lazy. Let's be honest. Right? There's days okay. where you wake up and you're like, just as a human being. Yeah. But for someone who has to work so hard, like you said, being on the road, writing a new special, writing yeah. a book, I mean, all that stuff's not easy to do. Most people can't do that. So if you're yeah. feeling lazy, it's because I did this badass thing, all right? Take it, take it easy. Oh, thank you. You're making me, yeah, you're right, because your head is always, even if it looks like you're not busy, yeah. you just saw me sitting here staring at a wall and thinking about the next thing. Sure. And so to have nothing in my head, nothing to work on, to me is a vacation. And it doesn't matter where I am. I just feel totally free to zone out. And it doesn't happen a lot. So I guess you're right. Yeah, I do work hard, although I feel lazy because yeah. it, it's, I'm not, you know, physically digging a ditch or something. But I, to not have your head be clear ever, I feel like is a lot of work kind of taxing. Uncertain people, other people might be like, no, that doesn't sound that bad. I'm here in a coal mine. Coal mine's such a cliche thing to say, but I'll think of a different one. They still exist. They we'll, still exist. We'll, we'll use the computer voice. I'll, I'll yeah, look up on the internet. What's the, mo what's the least cliche everyday worker's job? And job, we'll, yeah. We'll, I'm we'll here jack in the sewer. In. I'm here in the repairing the sewage system. That's something I definitely wouldn't want to do in New York City. I'll tell you that. <laughs> all, right, all right, Jen Kirkman. Um, this is how nerdy I am about comedy. I take oh. notes. I take I, notes. I appreciate that. Um, and watching your special, I took a lot of notes because there were a lot of things I enjoyed about it. In fact, I had to start it over because I was like, oh, I thought I'd just be able to remember the notes. I actually had to go back and, and write, write down the notes. Uh, first things first, the look on your face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, when you see that this kid that's backstage with you's name is Alistair. Yeah. It's pretty priceless. Yeah, yeah. That's Alistair Schuyler is another one mm -hmm. that I think fits in that. That category of like, why did you name your kid that? Well, Skylar, I had an old friend named Skylar. I always thought that was kind of, that's okay, but Alistair sounds, I made up the name, you know. Um, I wrote all those scenes, although I had the, the um, Kelly, who played his mom, who actually is his mom. Um, I had her improvise a lot, but um, yeah, that they had to get a lot of, you know, separately, you know, behind the scenes. Then they just go, okay, Jen, get some reaction shots, and they just had the kid doing weird things and I was just reacting right. to it they, they put some of those in there but that kid was incredible how, how old was he is he like eight or something like, I, I think he's like six or seven oh, okay. he was incredible that's awesome and I don't he was not his mom came in for the audition with him and was gonna just use him on camera as sort of a prop but I don't think he was truly auditioning and they had all these more button up child actors that they were gonna send me tapes of and I was like I want that kid I want him to not want to be there to show that this parenting style this helicopter parenting where, you know, she had this funny line that didn't make it in where she's like, we're applying to colleges right now. And so I just think that, you know, the person who wants to be their kid to be an overachiever, he had right. such great body language. He did, it was very slacker, yeah. like, like I don't want to be here, you're annoying I me, Mom. Show, I wanted to show that it's not working and it's disrupting our friendship because we keep having to talk to him and he doesn't want to be talked to by grownups. Right. And so that was very deliberate, getting that kid in there instead of some well-behaved kid that's... Pretend, I didn't want a pretentious kid. It's about our relationship. It's not about that the kid sucks, you know. Well, it really set the tone for the special. Oh, and thank it, you. I don't, I don't like to talk about too many things in particular because I want people to experience it yeah. for themselves, you know. Um, I, I do have to ask you, uh, what the hell do you have against Shel, Shel Silverstein? What, did I say something about Shel Silverstein? Yeah, in the, in, the, in the special you mentioned, like, yeah, I don't need some Shel Silverstein quote or something. Like oh, it was, a poem at a wedding? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've since changed it to Maya Angelou, um, where I say, you know, let her rest in peace. That work 
that body of work she left behind wasn't for white people to get married to. Like it's a, it has a lot more meaning than that. So no. yeah. so I changed it. I think Shel Silverstein just came out of my mouth, but I actually think I meant more Dr. Seuss when you're at a wedding and someone's trying to make it fun by, you know, someone gets up and reads all oh, the places yeah, you'll go. Cute. Yeah, and you're like, all right, we got. Uh, where are the sidewalk ends, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, just we got it. You're getting married, and it's not any, you know, again, it's just weddings drive me crazy, but yeah. marriage, no problem. Gotcha. It's funny. Um, no, Shel Silverstein is great, and one of my favorite things to do on YouTube is go down the rabbit hole of him on the Johnny Cash show, and and he wrote a boy named Sue. If you didn't know, which I'm sure you did know. So yeah, I enjoy him. That's awesome. Apologies. Yeah, I, I had a no, no. He, well, he's dead, so. Well, to his family. <laughs> yeah. No, Shell's great. I just I was busting your chops because I was like, man, who doesn't like Shell Silverstein? It's funny that I don't remember saying that. Yeah. See, I'm so in the moment, you guys. Is, does that happen a lot? Like, for instance, yeah. with this special, was there a lot of in the moment? Because there definitely were some organic moments where I felt like, you know, what? this isn't. It's, it's not that it wasn't worked out and you didn't know what you wanted to say. It was just like, I could see you reacting, mm -hmm. you know, to the crowd and whatever they were giving you back energy-wise. Yeah. And the way, like, oh, she probably totally changed up that, you know, that line or, or whatever she was uh, making the correlation to or how oh. you delivered it. And I was just like, oh, interesting, man. Like, I don't know if it had to do with the audience. I, knew, I do know that sentences come into my head and I just, when I get excited, I just start talking. Yeah, just, yeah. So I think a few sentences here and there were just off the top of my head, whether or not they're funny is up to anyone but there is a part that I'm faking and it happened it did happen once organically and then I kept doing it which is that I had this kind of dead crowd one night and I, I have an opening bit about where it ends with someone should get killed by the government because they're stupid and the crowd just goes nuts applauding and that happened in real life once I was taken aback and I was like Jesus all I wanted was some laughs but now I feel like I started a rally and so I thought if this happens I'll say that and it did happen yeah, it did. and I was in Texas so I thought it'd be funny to say and it looks like I'm in the moment but I'm not that's a little pretendy trick and it's funny someone wrote a review where they showed that moment as like and she was thrown off but she got right back I'm like oh no that was planned I knew I was going to say that like you can never guess what's going through and I like I take that as a compliment that I seem like I'm in the moment but I'm really it's really a lot of acting but but there's definitely a few lines here and there that I just say but it's because I'm in a zone. You, you went to school for that, right? You were, were you a theater major? Or oh, I was like, for being in the zone, yes, I went to zone. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, went to I was a theater school? major at Emerson College. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, when did you decide, like, you know, enough of this, I'm just doing comedy now? Well, or... I didn't decide. Yeah. The world decided by never casting me in a damn thing. Um, no, it didn't really happen that It was one of those things where I grew up in Boston right after college, and there wasn't a lot of acting work you could get. And so I auditioned for an improv group, which sort of was like acting, but then I didn't like working with others, and I found out that I was a little bit funny in front of crowds, and then I went, I gotta go do stand-up. And then I wanted to also keep acting. I would audition for stuff, but I never had, I think you have to audition full-time, it has to be your life. And I've always been kind of obsessed with not being broke, and I was very broke, but I would always have day jobs, so I couldn't go on auditions during the day, because I wanted to do stand-up at night, so I never took a bartending job. So that was just kind of the choice I had to make, which was I never got in the world of auditioning. And so then when I got a writing job on Chelsea Lately in, seven years ago, that completely took me out of it again. There's no chance to, you have to be doing it every day. Casting directors know you. The way that I was practicing being a writer and getting in that world, other people who act are in that world. So at this point, it's really if someone wrote something for me or I wrote something for myself, I do love acting. I would, give, I would love to be in a movie or something. 
but I just don't have time to audition, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why you gotta write it yourself. I, I think know. that's how it works these days, right? I, know, I hate it. Or just Fuck, no one will cast me. I'll just write it myself, right? I just want someone to see me somewhere and put me in it. Like, there used yeah. to be a lot of that going around in Los Angeles at Largo. Directors would come and just put comics in movies. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes so, sense. So let's, yeah. let's get, get that going again. Let's get that going again, yeah. round two. Come on, people. Do you still have your first really ever headshot? Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to play We're, a really serious role where I'm like, homeless or something and I have to clean up and get my life together. I think I'd be good at that. Um, I still have my first ever headshot. I think, yes, I have short, spiky hair. Like, really short. It's like Joan Jett style? Like no, like um, a lesbian mom who's 50. Or even just a mom who's not a lesbian. It's it's like a man. I wanted the Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby haircut. Gotcha. Or the Winona in Reality Bites haircut. And I went to Supercuts and they just didn't layer it correctly so it was sticking straight up so I had to put product in it and kind of make it look like I meant to do this yeah. and then, and it's a terrible I mean my face looks okay but it's a terrible terrible it's hair. a dread shot yeah, yeah it's a dread it's shot bad. it's bad <laughs> I gotta start a website to put all those out like everybody's first headshot is a book it? Oh, there is. To destroy your dream. Oh no, that's uh, the dream just was invented, okay, and well, it's now, now dead. So. My friend Patrick Borelli, very funny guy, started comedy with him in the '90s in Boston. He now writes for Jimmy Fallon. Nice. Has a book called Holy Headshot, and he's compiled. It's not first headshots of famous people, but it's bad headshots. It's really bad. And it's really funny. You can find it on Amazon. Hey, Little good minds think friend. alike, right? Yeah. That's the way. There was something else that struck me in this special, and it was when. You're telling the story, um, again, without giving too much away, you're, you're telling a story about a musician that you meet, uh -huh. and, and they ask you about Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kurt Cobain and that whole, that was so synonymous to my life, and just like why I chose to play music and everything. Oh, yeah. and so it's very important to me, but it also made me realize, like, like, like fuck, am I, am I really kind of getting old to where there's people that don't know what that is and didn't live through it? Yeah. I'm at that point now? Yeah. So it was kind of like eye-opening of like, holy shit, yeah, there's kids that weren't even born yet since yeah. he died, you know? And that's, yeah, this guy, I, I exaggerate his youth in the special. I don't think he was quite that young, but he was pretty young. And I think he only was like two or three or something. I think I just say he wasn't born, but whatever. But, Jesus, yeah. but um, yeah, so he asked me what it was like when he died. And my first instinct was to say, why were you not into Nirvana? Then, like, because I forgot his age. And he was like, no, I was three. I'm like, oh, my God. And so that is just such a weird, because now, I don't know if you ever, sometimes it's fun to just search buzzwords on Twitter. I've searched Kurt Cobain before, um, kind of when Montage of Heck was coming out. Right, right. And so many people were like, who's Kurt Cobain? And... What's extra funny is I saw a teenage girl in a brand new Nirvana t-shirt the right. other day, and I thought... Is it this, the face one with the tongue, or the... Yes, yeah, yes. It always is. Yeah, the <laughs> yellow one. And yeah. I thought, oh, honey, I... Well, I didn't even have that shirt, but that would have been around when I was your age, and now... So I'm glad. I mean, I, I would rather that than someone who doesn't know who he is. Right. But I'm like, I could be her mother. If I'd had a kid at 21, which is an insane... Right. I could, I could be her mom and that is so strange to me and to think that he would be 48 now and although men who are 48 now and still making music don't seem that old to me but to they probably never will either right yeah I, it's it's kind of like growing up with something like I think about that with athletes like I, I look at like college athletes and I'm just like oh yeah like if I just get my shit together like I can just go be a kicker or something you know what I mean like I'll just I'll just get it together and make the NBA you know what I, mean? like, <laughs> I don't think that 
I don't think that's going to happen for you. I don't mean to. <laughs> yeah, I had that shot. I've killed two yeah. dreams in one it's okay. interview. I got more. But yeah, it is strange, especially when you see Courtney Love, who's 50 and with the surgery. Yeah. You're like, ooh, I am old because she's was only 10 years older than us or me or whoever. So yeah, it's a bummer. It, it really, nothing shows you how old you are like other people that you liked when you were young being dead, old, right. or saying it's the 25th year anniversary of this thing that happened when you were 18. You're like, wait, so what's 18 plus 25? Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit. It's, oh, shit. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're kids in a band now, and they're doing really well. So yeah. suck it's on so that. It's strange to me that Francis Bean Cobain isn't that little baby that they kept showing on the news when he yeah. died in that little fur coat. And Oh, my God. I had a song written about her. Speaking of coats, I love that you just walk out on stage and you're like, <laughs> Hold on a second, I gotta take off my coat. And I'm just gonna hang it right here. And it's funny, after a while, I forgot that it was your coat. And I was kind of like, who put the weird Japanese tree up there on stage? Like, what a, what a bizarre decoration for a special. That's great. But, yeah, well, the, the coat, actually my manager bought that coat for me on okay. my 40th birthday. She knows I, I have a fun coat collection. Okay. They're all fake fur. I buy them all over the world. Um, I mean, if I happen to meet another country, I will spend my, um, like if I make my, a big purchase for myself, is like some kind of crazy coat. It happened a few years ago. And then it started to become a thing, and then just a way of expressing myself. And then sometimes women come up to me at shows, and they dress for me, and they wear fun coats. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's my favorite so thing validating. that's ever it's happened. Like, yeah. yeah, and it, it makes them happy, because they're like, oh, people always make fun of it. I go, of course. Um, but if, as long as you feel great in it. And I thought... I didn't really know exactly how to design my set because I don't think that way. I'm not a very visual designer kind of person. And I, oh God, I forget his name. The guy designed my set. He was amazing. But we'll he put just, it in with the computer voice. Yeah, though. yeah. John Smith. He thought of the blue colors and the JK um, initials. Yeah, which, which looked really, it was very subtle, but yeah. really cool. Like you're looking around, oh nice. That's slick, what I wanted. Slick, yeah. You don't want the, you know, I would say like with some comedy specials when they, oh, they're from Texas and there's like a head and like a, a wagon wheel. There's the life-size bridge that's yeah. in the town. So I just thought, let's just have it look like a theatrical performance, but I thought maybe my coat would be a nice thing, and it could be symbolic, like, well, I don't have a child, but my coat's waiting for me, and I'll take that off stage when I'm done. And then it was a little bit of an homage to Joan Rivers, who comes on stage in a feather boa and drapes it over usually the piano and Steven Tyler with his scarves. I just thought, why not have a fun accessory that is going to be there. Um, so that's yeah. included with the Jen Kirkman action figure. You're getting... You bet it is. You're getting the coat. What else are you getting? You're getting a coat. As long as it's an action figure, you're getting a cigarette. I don't smoke anymore, but I would love to. And uh, so she might be smoking. Okay. You know, um, Depending on which series you get, you know, if it's the throwback series. You could be throwback. But I think even in a fake world, she can smoke now. Some cool sunglasses. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, big platform shoes of some kind, and uh, there's got to be some shiny leather pants. I mean, she'll have a shirt, but that's not important what kind of shirt. Shirt's optional. Yeah, fun rings, crazy rings. I mean, I'm really a ripoff of um, Rachel Zoe, this designer, and uh, everyone from the 70s, you know, like... I love that. Rachel Zoe and everybody from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe Rachel Zoe is just kind of someone from the 70s. She kind of is, actually, because that's her style. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff she designs. So, yeah, I, that's just what I like. That's really funny. Well, again, congratulations, and I appreciate all the time and, oh, and so hanging welcome. out. I, I'm looking over the list, too, to see if anything else is worth bringing up, you know, without ruining anything. 
Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite. Oh, wait, hang on. Who just called me? This, oh, yeah. this quote. Uh-huh. The man whose family is dead is the man for me. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. I mean, that's hysterical. I mean, that I'm really so sums it up, I think, of, of sort of, I don't want to say your vibe, because it sounds, again, it's, it's like a statement that's not like depressing at all. It's just so yeah. clear. It's like, this is the next phase for me, which yeah. is my, any relationship I have because of my job, I don't have a lot of time, and I want to give all of it to this man, you know? And for me, it's easier to date people who don't have big families or to maybe have a family member who's dead because I'm not interested in creating a life where our families are involved. It's too much extra time. I want to go away on Christmas. I don't want to have to, you know, my family and I have a really good arrangement where we see each other often and at alternate times of the year. We have skipped Christmas and we've done something in July instead. And I need a man that understands that and, and who travels as well. And so. That to me is like, yeah, if someone really wants to be traditional, that's just not for me because I have so little time to give. I don't really want to know your cousins. And I don't see why I have to know right. your cousins just because I'm in love with you or something like that. So for me, it's like, yeah, the next phase of my life is I go 40, 50, 60. I mean, enough already. We don't need to do all this nonsense with our families. And I think that as I get older, more people will have dead parents. And so it's kind of a dream to not have someone's mom calling me and asking me, you know, whatever if, if I don't know buying me awkward Christmas gifts like sure. sweater sets or something like that I just think it's so much I didn't know easier. they came in sets but that's I but those are the type of gifts your stepmom gives you oh your sweater, sweater set I mean by that um, a, t a shirt oh the whole with a matching cardigan gotcha and um and I've received some of those in my lifetime yeah so it's just sort of a let's have as little inconvenience as possible and let's make the next phase of our lives about us together doing stuff and sure obviously I'll meet someone's family here and there but yeah that whole thing of bringing you home to meet my parents it's like I've yeah. done that so many times I did it 10 times already in my life I got it you have parents I'm glad you know but anyone who's like too close to their mother too I think is weird yeah I, I used to I, think that was a very good sign I mean I'm very like uh, for me personally I mean I moved away from my parents mm -hmm. I dropped out of college I went on tour with my band I yeah. just live wherever I want you know I figured it out on my own I love my family they're great yeah I see them maybe once a year you know right. if if the schedule works out wow, and again yeah. it's not because I don't love them I love them but yeah. it's just I'm doing my thing you yeah. know it's you know yeah when people are like my mom's my best friend I'm like that seems odd I hope I'm your best friend once we transition into getting married because I I think that's what you're supposed to do is eventually choose your wife over your mom. Yeah, you know? I think that's I think that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. And I think we've been sold a bill of goods that what a great guy is nice to his mom. It's like that's good. He's nice to her. I, I, I think would a be great guy wary. would be good to everybody. Yeah. Right? I think that's kinda how that works. I would be very wary of going out with someone that was like, My mom's a bitch and you're like, Oh no, maybe women issues or something like that. Right. But let's go easy on the my mom's my best friend crap. Like, all right, well I'm never gonna I'm never going to be accepted then. <laughs> well, Jen, to wrap it up, uh, we were talking about this before I hit record, is the, the idea of people discovering you for the first time yes. because you do have a, a, a special that's, let's say, a little more accessible. You know, oh, like yeah, Netflix is literally lifeblood for most people now, yeah. it seems. And, and when Netflix opens, sometimes the first thing that shows up is a picture of you. Yeah. And a microphone and so your, your awesome. new special, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah. But people are discovering you for the first time and you've been doing it for a long time. And, yeah. and comedy is now in this, you know, whatever people want to say, second boom or whatever. 
but it's not going to go away this time because yeah. there's too many outlets and people will just create new ones so yeah. that it won't go away. It'll just so, get very fractured, which is also fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, right, which is a good and a bad thing, like yeah. anything. But um, with that said, what what's that been like, people discovering you for the first time? It's got to feel kind of odd, right? Yeah, it makes me really happy when people write things like, oh, that's so me, I relate, whether it's a woman. Some guys have written, I'm not... I'm not 40, I'm not a woman, I've never been married, but for some reason I relate. That's wonderful. Or people, my favorites are people going, I just found out about you, I don't know where I've been, but I see you're coming to St. Louis and I'm going. What annoys me is people who have this, I don't know if it's a young person thing or just we're all kind of narcissistic these days and we don't see outside our own heads, but people will say, I loved your special on Netflix, really good work. Um, you should tour. And I'm like, what, how did you go to my Twitter page, not see the giant letters that say tour dates? How did you assume that I just started doing this and you have so many great ideas for my career? Like that just, I just get a little insulted because it's like, I've been doing this for 18 years and I've thought of every avenue and, and I am not, not open to suggestions, but those suggestions will come from my peers and my representatives, uh, not co in Congress, my agents. There just got real heavy political, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Kirkman, so are you running for president? Yes, I am. I'd like to announce it. But yeah, so I do get a little, you know, the comedian has an ego of like, of like, I've been doing this a long time and I don't expect you to know my old stuff or anything, and I'm glad they don't. Right. But I just want them to know I didn't just fall out of the sky. Like, this took a lot of work. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell them that. Maybe that would make them think I'm less funny, if that makes sense. Or turn them off to, like, oh, what's the deal, man? Like, hey, you yeah. know, I'm just getting in now. Like, what do you cool off? Yeah, and so I'm glad. Like, everyone come on in. I'm loving it. And I sometimes I get a little annoyed when they're like, you remind me of this person, like a person that started 10 years after me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. maybe they uh, remind you of me if you saw it. Well, how they got Maybe they're Zoe from the 70s that <laughs> dresses like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but no, it's actually, it's been, I've been overwhelmed with the positive response and from new That's people, great. and it's awesome. And why would they have seen me? Some people, there has been no major platform I've been on except Chelsea lately, and a lot of people did not watch that, and a lot of people don't listen to podcasts, so there's there's been no way for them to find out about me. And I knew this would happen. I hoped it would happen. What I'm really hoping is that the other countries really catch on and I can do more touring that doesn't uh, just have to be a festival, where right. I can go to Australia on my own or Sweden or whatever. be awesome. Yeah, and that'd yeah. be so great. And, and a lot of people have been showering you with compliments, too, on Twitter and all the socials. Yeah. Other comedians, I mean, I which has been really cool. It's that. awesome. Because so. usually when you, ha you have something come out, whoever, what do you have, a book or whatever, your, your book company or your production company will say, can you ask your friends to tweet? I literally did not ask anybody. Netflix didn't ask me to because they have such a built-in marketing right. machine. And when people did it on their own, I was so floored by who did it and that they did it at all. It was really lovely. I was so moved and honored and I didn't have enough nice things to say about it without being annoying and keep tweeting like, yeah, yeah. thanks for all the people that like me. You know, then that sounds annoying too. Yeah. I was floored by the cool people that and funny people that I admire that wrote nice things. Well, you're appreciated. I'll say it if no oh, one else will. Jen you. Kirkman and uh, and again, congratulations on all success, much continued success into I the future so. forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, I haven't said that word in, I don't know, 15 good, years. I like that. But <laughs> <laughs> might as well throw it in there now since we were talking about religion. Um, all right, so 
Uh, everyone can follow you on the socials at Jen Kirkman, of uh -huh. course. They can go to your webpage, find out all your tour dates. Yep. And, JenKirkman.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, also Jen Kirkman. And your podcast, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's called I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman. It's just me babbling once a week in my bed. Sometimes it's not funny, but it's usually kind of silly and interesting, I hope. That comes out. It's on iTunes. It comes out every week. Jen, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, that was Jen Kirkman. Uh, it was very environmental, let's say that. We, uh, we did that interview at a bar uh, while we both ate food, mm -hmm. and uh, it was very yummy, and uh, it was at her hotel, because that's how she rolls. And She's a multitasker, Mark. She is. She gets it done. And congratulations again to her on her, her new special, I'm Gonna Die Alone, and, and I, I Feel, feel fine. fine. And uh, she has a Not book. to be confused with the R.E.M. song. Yes. I'm Michael Stipe, and I feel fine. Is that what it is? I'm yeah, Michael sure. Stipe, and I feel fine? And sure. It's not, it's the end of the world, and no, I feel fine. I've never heard of that. How far into memorizing those lyrics did you get? Oh, my God. He doesn't even memorize the lyrics. Yeah, you ever see him do it live? He's got a teleprompter <laughs> right in front of him. Why would I remember? Uh, from the guy that wrote him doesn't want to remember do you, them. Do you remember when, when No Doubt covered that song, New Year's Eve, for MTV? I do, I do remember And Gwen that. Stefani, same deal. She had to read them off cue cards. Yeah. Who can memorize that fucking Well, listen, thing? all I got to say is Billy Joel put it in time for We Didn't Start the Fire. Michael Stipe can put it in the time for It's the End of the wow. World, and I feel fine. Calling out R.E.M. Yeah. 30 years I, too late. Shots fired, Michael <laughs> Stipe. Shots fired. He's like, I didn't even, I can't even, <laughs> what? What's going on right now? Oh, man. All right. So anyway, thank you, Jen Kirkman, for being a part of uh, this particular edition of the Laugh Button Podcast. Again, thelaughbutton.com. Follow us on all the socials at the laugh button uh again we're super psyched about the vans warp tour 41 dates we're the official sponsor of the of uh the warp tour comedy tent which is hashtag warped comedy yes hashtag warped comedy the warped comedy tent the warped comedy tent we're the official sponsor of that it's gonna be uh, awesome it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be epic i can't wait for that um all right laughbutton.com for matt kleinschmidt and for mark seaman that's <laughs> I'm sorry Mark says hi I'm sorry your parents have a bad last name That they gave to you <laughs> Just follow me at Mark says hi It'll make me feel better Follow me at I am Kleinschmidt It'll make him feel better No it won't <laughs>